What's up, everyone? Welcome to Mongols, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kev, Josh, and our good friend John Morrissey. John is here to talk us off the edge of, uh, I don't want to say depression, but I, I primarily have been edge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me yeah. off the edge. Uh, and, uh, and we'll sort of see where we land. Let's go. So as was so clear from the intro, I clearly am the one who, who is <laughs> dangling off the edge with one finger here in terms of how I feel about how the season's going. Um, so, you know, we're thrilled to have our good buddy, John, at USL Tactics on Twitter, back to join us once again. This feels like this has become an annual thing, which is great. Um, we love having you on, John. What's uh, what's new with you, man? Uh, boy, not a ton since last... Well. Heck, I guess since last year, I've started writing at Backyield. I don't know if yeah. that has been a thing yet. Yeah, which, I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll plug it at the end, but we cover all things U.S. soccer. I'm the guy on the USL beat, so excited to be doing that once again for 2023. Yeah, always great stuff. Um, I'm sure we will talk about some of that stuff uh, as we get into it. Josh, Kev, anything new with either of you guys? Josh, you had an exciting weekend, didn't you? I, I, well, well, I don't know if I would call it. Are you talking about my the mummy marathon? Yes, I was I'm talking about your mummy marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is becoming a new like tradition, not even traditional, just like a thing that we keep on doing every month or so. Uh, the the first one was a Tremors marathon. This weekend was a mummy marathon. We we only watched four movies though. We only did one through three, and then the Scorpion King. Turns out there are like five Scorpion King movies. They all look terrible. Like, I like say, I have seen none of them. So. The Rock is in the first one because he was in like the uh, second movie for the Mummy. But then after that, they just like recast him and recast everyone. It's just like, all right, just random wrestlers and like just they they feel like if you ever seen like one of those like WWE type movies where it's like just random wrestlers in it and it's like an action flick, they all look like that or like a Xena Warrior Princess type feel as well. So. Yeah, we skipped those. We we only did the the five movies. So. Josh, I'm sorry your 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 logic doesn't check out. They made five of them, so it can't it can't be terrible. Like they it has to. <laughs> they kept making them. You got they me there. They never make terrible <laughs> franchises that never end. That never <laughs> never happens. <laughs> would you Would you say it was time well spent though this weekend? It's always fun. I mean, it, the worse the movie, the more mystery science theater 3000 becomes. Uh, and then plus it's it's lots of junk food, snacks, hangout friends, just, you know, having fun. So although that does mean I miss the preseason game since I was uh, the mumming it up. Uh, so I the, missed the, the, the three zero it up? the mumming. Yeah. I, I tried. I really tried <laughs> to do that without breaking a beat, but uh, it did not work. <laughs> That's all right. Kev, how was your weekend? It was good. Um, yeah, just the Super Bowl is the only football game uh, all year that we watched. So we uh, get all American fied up and just, you know, put on the Super Bowl, made some buffalo cauliflower sandwiches and uh, nice. yeah, mozzarella sticks. It was, yeah, it was by the end you, of the uh, night, my stomach was hurting, but it was, it was so worth it. Did you put your Americas on? Yes, I absolutely did. Yeah. Good. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh 
an always sunny reference where I guess when Charlie puts on his, his star spangled bandana, he calls it putting his Americas on. So I've been watching that. I've been uh, like, that's been my, you know, like washing face, brushing teeth, you know, thing on my phone. Right. When I, I'm just, you know, it's like, cause you can't be alone with your thoughts too long. Otherwise, you know, bad stuff gets in there. So you, know, you gotta have something. <laughs> and so lately that's been my, you know, yeah. Always sunny. <laughs> John, are you an always sunny fan? I've seen a bit of it, not my favorite of the shows, but I enjoy it. I'm, I guess it's like sketchy territory in American soccer now because Wrexham is like yeah, hot button, yeah. but. Yeah. What is your stance on Wrexham? Because it, it seems like this, you're either behind it or like you're upset that, not you personally, but like right. people are either behind it or they're upset that it's getting so much attention because of the American owners. I mean, like, I watched the show on Hulu. I think that McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds are fun people. It's only going to grow people's attention into soccer, so don't get offended if you don't know how to market your team here, maybe. Yeah. I Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm in that boat. I, I enjoy watching the show, and, you know, I've, I'd be lying if I said I didn't follow them on Twitter and, you know, catch a game if it's on ESPN. So, yeah. Good, good. Um, well, yeah, I guess we should we should dive into the team news, the air quotes team news. So since we last talked, uh, we had Justin on the show and we took bets on when the Hounds would announce a signing. And we all said, just despite us, they probably would announce one last week. And they did. <laughs> but sad trombone, wah, wah, uh, they announced a new keeper or another keeper. So it's um, insulting, Mike. Yeah, well, that, said that keeper, <laughs> that, that keeper could win us the league. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I don't disagree <laughs> with that, but I think you know, in a team that there's a number of positions that are vacant right now, um, we would have loved to seen some other position other than keeper. I think if you look down our lineup, we're all feeling fairly confident about Jamali Waite starting as our keeper. So to announce that you know, Christian Garner has, uh, has been signed. I, I said it online, you know, I hope for nothing but the best of Christian Garner. Uh, hopefully he does turn out to be a fantastic keeper. This is the first goalkeeper that signed under new keeper coach, John Bush. So who knows what that means in terms of the hierarchy, but, um, we got a signing. Take 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 the uh, podcast host filter off, Mike. Tell us how you really feel about this. <laughs> you know. I am curious. I'm curious if if John Bush had a lot to do with the signing. If that's his role in the in the club. If he is like going out there and scouting or like making that decision, or if it's more of a here's your keepers, you know, mold them into what you need them to be. Um, like how that works. I'd be very curious. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, um, we'll see. I mean, we had one preseason game at that point, and so they had to feel pretty good about what they had seen in preseason and in that preseason game to sign him, like, right away to be the first signing. So we'll see. You know. I guess it is, it is pretty nice, too, in, like, preseason being able to have two keepers, you know, are going to be around um, just for, like, training purposes, right? If you're doing, like five side or something or just like you like even for someone for like jamali wait to like practice and train with right like so you know i'm it, finding finding the positives where we can i guess yeah 
So that uh, that sort of segued into the Hounds had their first home preseason game uh, of the season this past Saturday. They beat Penn State three nothing. All three goals came from trialists, and the reason why we can't give you the name of trialists is because uh, the the team the team news um, was that. Uh, the, the quote was, we also want to emphasize that the names of non-roster invitees or trialists are not used in team releases until they're under contract per team and league policy. Well, I reached out to the league today, who then referred me back to the team, and the team clarified it is not the league policy, it is the team policy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I have followed up with our buddy Matt Graba to sort of say, what happened? Because this is the <laughs> first year that that policy is in place. We knew all the trialists last year. And so we'll sort of see what the team says, if there is a response. But um, for those who are curious, it has been a change, and it's been a, uh, I guess we'll say a deliberate change. And so now we'll just need to find out why. But um, the starting lineup went for about 60-ish minutes. Uh, Take that for what you will, because we don't know exactly who the starting lineup was. We do know that Kizza got some minutes. So let's listen to his reaction after the game, and uh, and we can share our thoughts on that. First preseason game here at home. Uh, A lot of you guys that are under contract got a little more extensive play than you did out of Columbus. So was it good to get uh, a little more run out and build up toward the regular season? Yeah, for sure. I think this is a very important time for us. Just the more games you get, the more ready you are. So the more minutes everybody gets and the better we get. So we got to keep working, keep working, keep getting better from game to game. So coming from Columbus and playing here, it doesn't matter whatever opponent you have in front of you. It's a game, so you got to go out there and perform. So today was a good outing for everybody. Uh, second half today, uh, you and a lot of the guys that started, you still stayed out there for the first 15 minutes, and it seemed like in that second half, uh, the chances were coming a lot more. You nearly had the penalty that the offside flag took away, but then the goals started coming shortly after that. Did you feel that it just took time to grow into the game and sort of link those things up, the final, final third passes? I think that's what precision is for because you have a number of guys that are not signed, like you said. So I think it's going to take some time to gel in whatever coach is telling us during the week. So it's going to take some time. And also you saw that in the game, first half, we had good ideas, but not as good as second half. So second half, it's more getting on the same page. Everybody getting on the same page. And I think that's the result, getting the goals in the second half. So I think that was good. Even though the games don't count for anything, does it still feel good to get a result, get a victory? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So coming off like a tough game in Columbus and coming home, I think we want to make this a fortress. Every time we're home, we expect it to win and having a clean sheet, that's icing on the cake. John, you you were obviously tapped into what is going on around the rest of the, the league um, I'm just curious, you know, do you have any thoughts on the Dequa versus Kizza role this year? Or, um, what are your expectations at this point for, uh, I feel like I'm jumping ahead here, but just any thoughts on what Kizza had to say there? Anything interesting, I guess? I mean, it was a lot of what you would expect, certainly, of like finding your feet in the preseason talk, making the home field a fortress kind of thing. Uh, it's a good mentality. I think he's someone who came on strong at the end of last season, certainly. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see both of them at times, but just given the shape of the roster right now, I mean, we'll see how things shake out. You mentioned the fact that uh, 
three trialists, I think, were on the score sheet. So yeah. there's plenty of names to be revealed around this squad. So I think it's, I mean, it's good that he's got that line of thinking right now, but it is very early. Yeah, agreed. Josh, any takeaways from that? I mean, it's it's just so hard to tell right now. Even people who were there uh, talking in our Discord during the game, like they're all trying to figure out like the trial list and like doing like Google searches with image searching and uh, with mixed results, uh, mostly uh, not helping at all results. There were some sleuthing, but uh, nothing for sure about, uh, you know, kind of piecing together from names that Bob was screaming uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I did hear one of the trialists. I think it was the one who scored first. Uh, he was getting talked to by Bob after the game, his uh, famous post game, you know, lectures. Yeah. And he was out there for like half an hour with Bob. Like, so that's actually probably a good sign for him. I was going like, to say, I don't, that I don't think Bob would yell team? at you or like talk to you that long. If he was just like, well, going to cut him tomorrow. Like why bother? So I'm, um, you know, maybe that's a good sign for that player but yeah it's what well, he was he was being talked to like one-on-one -on -one with with bob for 30 minutes i mean that's what it sounded like it sounded like nice. he was like still out there with him like afterwards so like it, it, it's also like in passion bob though so like at the same time you're like oh cool he's getting you know personally talked to by bob at the same time you're like oh he's yelling uh at that player for a long time i feel really bad for him that's <laughs> like so <laughs> it's hard to tell like if it's good or bad but yeah who knows yeah Kev, any thoughts on, you know, the Hounds beating up Penn State 3 nothing and three trialists scoring? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I like because uh, I was um, – I didn't expect much from, like, his impact when we first, like, announced that he was coming midseason. I just – I was like, I, I don't know how much room there is for a player like him to fit in, but – every time and he was given relatively little time to make an impact and it feels like every time he did and so yeah i'm looking forward to what Kiza can bring given a full season preseason under under his legs and a full season um and yeah no i mean spoke well i like the backdrop when the interview was happening that was cool um but yeah no it was, it was nice that was in the uh the team's pub yep yeah. the paul child uh yeah in the background yeah, yeah. sweet so um, the next Hounds preseason game is this Saturday at Highmark, 4 p.m. against Akron. Once again, it'll be open uh, free for anybody who wants to attend. So if you're in the area and you want to drop by, uh, I don't know if like, you know, the players are doing high fives after the game for the fans. Maybe just have your phone out and just film everybody that walks past and then we can go back through and see who was there. Um yeah, I, I maybe this whole thing was a ploy by the team to just make it a game for the fans to try to figure out who's in camp and who's not. And then they'll just announce everybody like the week before. It's like we signed 12 people and uh, and you just have to guess who they are. Um, I'd be down with that if they told us that what they, that's what they were doing. It's like, look, we've already signed everyone, but we're not going <laughs> to <laughs> like two weeks before the season and then like have this big unveiling. I, I Ammo comes out in like a, a Riddler outfit and just you know, <laughs> starts <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm slightly more pessimistic that that's why they're doing things, but I'm more pessimistic in general. So, John, you know, let's let's get to it. I am feeling pessimistic about this team this year. You obviously pay a lot of attention to what's going around, not just in the East, but in the entire USL. 
how are you feeling about the Hounds at this point in the preseason? I think confused and pessimistic has captured a lot of what I felt over the course of the offseason, just in terms, and I'm sure you guys have laid it out for the past couple months of a lot of very talented players leaving, really, I mean, forget about Garner, you've only brought in Joey Farrell, who is an excellent player. He was probably the only good defender in a pretty shambolic Phoenix team for a lot of last season. But in a year when the East especially has seen improvement across the board, arguably at every other club, for Pittsburgh to do what they've done this offseason has been a little bit baffling. They've got the second least uh, announced players at this point, bottom 10 in terms of the uh, minutes played last season that have been kept around. I think that there is an expectation around the league that, yeah, I'm near showing the chart now. Um, it illustrates that Pittsburgh has kept, or rather only added about, in terms of the roster makeup, 15% of it or so is new players. But in terms of minutes retained, it's very low. So you've kept a decent amount of guys, but the guys you've kept have been role players. If you think about like a Mark Ibarra, uh, Nathan Dos Santos, that kind of guy who got some spot minutes, but wasn't necessarily like the player to really make a difference. It's really a zag of an approach where a lot of teams have recruited high-end USL players, looked to the CPL or MLS Next Pro and taken a lot of high-profile talent. And it kind of seems like Bob Lilly just wants to say, we'll pluck some college kids, we'll sign some trialists late on and turn them into contributors, which could be a valid approach. I'm not going to count that out, but it just feels like it's not where the league has been trending overall. You mentioned, um, you know, some of the other teams doing other things when you look across at least the East, because that's what, I mean, we are going to be playing all the teams in the West, but when you look across the East, who has impressed you? Who do you think is like building a team that's going to make a run and maybe surprise some people? I mean, in terms of a team that, has gone from strength to strength and had a busy off season, the Tampa Bay Rowdies stand out where, I mean, they did lose like Sebastian Guenzotti, uh, Sebastian or uh, Jake LaCava rather went off to MLS, but they brought in Cal Jennings who scored goals for fun with Las Vegas. Forrest Lasso, three-time defender of the year is back in their back line. Really every area of the pitch they've strengthened. Uh, you're, and then you're showing the chart now of uh, the number of players that each team has signed with, according to my model, the points that you would expect those players to add. Tampa Bay, second best in the league. Uh, Indy 11, who missed the playoffs last year, but brought in uh, and Aiden Quinn, Guenzotti, and Cam Lindley, three all-league level guys. They have had probably the best offseason of anybody out there. Across the board, really, the East has been active. I've, you're seeing Charleston as the third best offseason by that model where they brought in the defending coach of the year. They brought in a lot of guys from Memphis, some unsung players from the West who are just really good talents. So to see the teams that missed the playoffs really strengthen and then have Pittsburgh spin their wheels a little bit is probably the main reason for concern if you are a Riverhounds fan. I could keep going asking questions, but I'm going to turn it over to Josh and Kev. Like, ask away. Thoughts on the Hounds this year? It just kind of feels like this is like we've seen this chatter online as far as uh, other media who cover the hounds that this is kind of like rinse and repeat for us. It's like everyone panics and then it turns out that 
Bob knows what he's doing and he signs a bunch of college kids or like players who maybe didn't get into MLS like they were hoping to once MLS season starts and he like picks up some good players who are underappreciated and then we make a playoff run like always like <laughs> do you feel like that's most likely the outcome or do you think this is different than most seasons so what I a couple weeks back put out my like season preview piece hub thing I had Pittsburgh last in the conference and Ooh. I've just been I've been reconsidering and reconsidering and I've got them ninth and right on the bubble just because I'm buying into that whole rhetoric of they're not going to let this team be bad. They know what they're doing. There's a track record of bringing in players late. I do think that this offseason has been different stylistically, where if you look at last year, you basically lost uh, Vidiello and Todd Wharton, who, again, were big players, important players, certainly, but it's different when it's Dixon and Ciceroni and Wheat and so many of those high-end, borderline all-league types and you're not really replacing them where even last season and say what you will about what Dane Kelly did. But when you brought him in, you expected someone who was going to be a top end contributor. So I do think that things are a little different and that's why I have Pittsburgh on the borderline knife's edge of the playoffs right now. I need to, I need your help settling something here. Last week we got into a discussion about Danny Griffin and I was really upset that Danny Griffin was not with the team. And Kevin was like, eh, he was okay. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Losing Danny Griffin as our, as our pivot is just like, we, who's going to play our pivot role. Let me defend it a little bit. I, (laughs) look, I appreciate no one got more minutes than Griffin last year. He or like the previous three years or two years heavily <laughs> relied on by Lily, but I just I, I thought he he was a he played his role well, was reliable, and his role wasn't like I would say like even the most important role in the team. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's not that I think he was bad. I think he was, I think he was good. It was just that he was like you know he was reliable. He was he was solid and he just he kept the team taken over, but like I don't know. I don't think he was like the most important player. I don't know. Yeah, so numbers wise, my model has him as like a top twenty percent player each of the last two years across the USL. Get off the I think watching. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I think watching him, the strength of his game is the stuff that is a little bit more subtle, the way that he positions himself, he's always there to kind of slow down an opposing counter, set the tempo for a Riverhounds attack. I think something that speaks to the reputation that he has is um, he was really the first player that Hunts, Huntsville who signed him, right? Um, he was basically the first player they targeted. And while they just announced his move, he'd been signed there for probably three months at this point, like Liam Doyle and uh, Jack Collison, two veteran USL uh, figures who are running that team made it a priority to get him in as the guy to set the culture. And I think that just says a lot about the impact he has and the regard that he carries around this sport. Mm, interesting. Thanks, John. I appreciate that insight there. Get him, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, we've talked a lot about sort of how the hounds go about doing things. And, and, you know, you mentioned Lily sort of, doing his thing and how you know he, you've sort of talked your way from 12th to 9th 
Um, but you know, at the end of last season, you also put out your, uh, like coaches rankings and you had Lily in sort of that, it wasn't in the top tier. It was like second tier, but the, the phrase that stood out to all of us, not because we disagreed with it, that wasn't it at all, but was just sort of the, what have you done for me lately? So what is your view? I mean, we, we watch a lot of games and it seems like the announcers are always just sort of singing Lily's praises, but a lot of what is said is reflective of years past. And it is a lot of like, you know, the past few years it's been, we make it to the playoffs and we're done. So that's, that's good. That's a lot better than where we were before he got here. But um, you know, are we building a playoff team or are we building a championship team? So just what, what's your thoughts on, Lily versus, you know, it seems like there's just a constant churn of new coaches that are coming in and making an impact. And, um, you know, especially with you know, coach of the year now moving to the battery and just thoughts in general on all of that. I do think that in terms of the, what have you done for me lately line of thinking, getting that playoff win goes a long way for me in terms of showing that there is a little bit of life and vivacity and Lily is never someone who's resting on his laurels and refusing to change. I think within a season, you'll see him try so many different tactics, so many different systems. And he's not afraid to cut off someone like a Dane Kelly and turn to players that are consistently producing. So that's a feather in his cap. I think that he does have a frustrating tendency to tinker a little bit too much. I think there are times where he can sort of shell up and refuse to play a positive brand of soccer when they, he can go for the kill. And I think to a certain extent, you saw that in the Louisville game. Um, I believe in what he's doing, but I think if Pittsburgh falls flat on their face this year, which is a real possibility, it might be time to start thinking long and hard about where is he at in the state of the USL in 2023 going forward. It's funny because like I had a question lined up that kind of goes completely against that where I was we, we always hear people saying like when MLS teams need a coach, like, is it possible Lily gets called up to MLS or anything like that? And like, I guess the, the thought also, though, is, is the, the situation Lily in a problem with his style or is it he, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have as much money as some of the other clubs and maybe it's it's that type of situation like could you see Lily being successful at a different club? Like I'm, I'm thinking MLS, like, or is he kind of where he belongs as far as uh, quality goes? And I could be completely off base, but the vibe I get around Lily is that he's a little bit of hardcore would probably be the wrong word, but he's very intense. He's very top down controlling in terms of who he's playing, how the roster is developed. And I think MLS, is a little bit less accepting of a manager with a complete top-down vision. And so I think that the USL is kind of built for his style of game. And I think that the success that he's had over the years of turning those college kids into contributors, kind of finding those diamonds in the rough, is built for a team with a lower budget. That said, I think that there is a value in getting some fresh faces in there at a certain extent. I know I've referenced Charleston a couple of times where they had Mike Anheuser in there for 20, 25 years, and they completely fell flat on their face last season when they brought in Connor Casey, but they recognized that they needed someone with a consistent vision. 
a track record to go in a new direction. And I don't think that there's a team that people are thinking as highly of as the battery right now. So different strokes, they saw a change from the president down, including Perriman coming in. But, and I don't know if Pittsburgh is ready for that kind of change, certainly. I mean, I love what Jeff Garner is doing and his track record across the league, certainly. But Lily is just a big question mark for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Kev, any thoughts on all of this? Where do you stand on things? Um, I mean, I, I agree that I think this year is a big year for him. Um, if you look back at his track record, um, now, like, um, this isn't in my memory banks. I'm looking off, you know, a web page. But, uh, you know, the season before Lily comes in, we finish 13th. Um, and then he turns it around and we finish third uh, the season that he comes in. And then we finish first. In that. So, like, third, first, third, and then fifth, fifth. So, I think this this season, if he's you know closer to that fifth fifth, or if he's closer to that third first, is the kind of determining factor of of like what the near term future of Lily will be. Um, I think the other thing is, I don't know. I know Louisville and Tampa to some extent have made it look easier than what I'm going to suggest that it is, but I I, I think on some level you can it's easier and more straightforward to control like where you finish in the league than it is playoffs like playoffs anything can happen so if if i'm looking at a at a at a manager who can consistently get me close to finishing top of the conference then that's what i mostly care about i understand and appreciate there's probably an art to um leading a team into the playoffs that you can say some managers have or some managers don't have but I think I'm still leaning towards the thing of like, look, playoffs are playoffs, they're one-off games, anything can, ha can happen. Maybe we've been a bit luck unlucky over the past, you know, mm -hmm. over Lily's tenure. So I'll put more weight on where we finished in, in the conference. So, yeah, it's, you know, will this be a third year running where we, you know, finish fifth or something? Or are we going to bounce back and finish, you know, top three? I think that'll be the big kind of deciding factor for me about where, where I feel about how, how I feel about Lily going forward. This might be a question for everyone, but kind of going off that, do you think that us finishing fifth but getting farther in the playoffs is a bigger deal? Or do you think us finishing close to the first and then going out of the playoffs the same way we have been, which is after the first round? Like, what what would you think would be better for for not just the club, but for like Lily and like our image? <laughs> I, I'll i quickly answer that. I, I think yeah. the... First and then crashing out of the playoffs, I think that's really demoralizing and can be hard to bounce back from. That being said, I think it's probably better for the, I don't know. It's demoralizing when that happens and that could be hard I mean, because that also affects like your club image across the league. But I think if you're consistently finishing near the top and then unlucky bounces, like the freaking Super Bowl last night. Uh, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, then you know it's it's a little more difficult. I I think 
in terms of what the team is going to do, I think it's going to be whatever puts butts in seats. So I think if we end the season and, you know, the top of the East and all season long, they can say that we're the number one team in the East and that's selling tickets. That's what's going to make the club happy. And that's just that that's what they're there to do is to put butts in seats. If we flame out in the playoffs and they can always just say, oh, it's the playoffs. It's one and done. We feel really bad. We're looking forward to another great season. Come on back next year and, you know, increase the prices on season tickets. Um, so I, I also, you know, being a fan of European style soccer football, I put more stock in ending the season number one because you played everybody twice and, you know, we're playing some teams out West and that just sort of shows a resiliency over the course of the year. But um, John, I'm interested. What what are your thoughts? Like, would you, would you rather see, it doesn't necessarily have to be Pittsburgh. Would you rather see a team finish first and then flame out in the playoffs or, you know, fifth and make a run into the championship? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the single table play everyone. That is sort of a better indicator of how good you are. And I think just threading the needle on that last question into this, if Lily takes this roster that feels a little bit raw and a little bit light and turns it into a team that competes at the top of the table, that's the sort of thing that tells me he's very much still got it as a player identifier and someone who can develop talent into something useful and i think that's very meaningful going forward as compared to like a sneaking into the playoffs cinderella run sort of getting lucky almost feels like kicking the tires and at the end of the day you guys have hit on the important point that whatever is better for building soccer into pittsburgh is ultimately what you want out of this but from the more outside perspective of how do i grade out what's the direction of the Riverhounds. I think that high finish in the regular season probably is a better outcome. Kevin mentioned, you know, sort of landing somewhere in the top three. As you sort of look around the East, what, I mean, you you put us at ninth, which is understandable. We haven't really signed anybody, so it's hard to judge this team. Who are your top three, four, and like, who, like, Why? Yeah, I mean, I touched on Tampa Bay. They're always good, and they've probably gotten stronger. I don't need to put a ton of breath there. And ditto for Louisville, who they lost Corbin Bone to retirement, but he played like 10 games, and they replaced him with Dylan Mayers, who's one of the best midfielders in the USL and has been for years. Again, um, I do think if they have a weakness, it's going to be that Josh Winder is not long for Louisville and is going to get sold off to Europe for like two million dollars and they only have two center backs on the roster otherwise so they need to add there but if that's if your biggest issue is you're going to sell somebody for two million dollars you're probably going to be okay yeah um memphis finished third last year and they lost pierman they lost a couple role players it, they didn't sign jeremy kelly their uh leading assister until this week but now he's back they uh, stole bruno lapa from the rival birmingham legion and they've gotten a decent defensive core back together, pretty much all on multi-year contracts. So they went from a position of weakness, probably at the beginning of the offseason, to a team that might be a little bit better than last year when they kind of tore the league apart, surprisingly. So they feel good. Uh, I referenced Birmingham. They're very thin. They're another team with only two defender, or, uh, two central defenders. Both of their starting fullbacks might be kids straight out of college. Uh, losing Johnny Dean is a big deal. Their attacking depth is worse off. The thing is they've added with star power. So bringing Nico Brett in, a striker, obviously a familiar face for Pittsburgh fans. And then uh, 
in a negative sense, Tyler Pasher would Tyler be a familiar Pasher. face as well. Yeah. Uh, Josh, he was, yeah, <laughs> yeah solid, in, solid enough in MLS, obviously didn't really stick there, but you remember what he did in this league. He's going to be fantastic for them. So the top four kind of feels like it's going to be about the same as it was last year. And then the question marks begin. I hit on Indy. Uh, I think Tulsa has had an underrated offseason. They've not really added anyone with much USL experience, but it's the cream of the crop in the Canadian League in MLS Next Pro. So they're interesting in a minimum, and they haven't really lost any of their good players. Um, I've been on the warpath a little bit with Detroit City Twitter, saying that they're going to drop off quite a bit. Uh, Declan Wynn, who led all defenders in assists, I believe, and then Antoine Hopeno, who led the entire league in assists are both gone. Their second leading goal scorer is gone, and they've kind of added nobody. Um, they've announced their trialists, though, which I guess is a leg up on the river. <laughs> <laughs> but they play behind closed doors. They never close. Yeah. They only play their priests <laughs> behind closed doors. So you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So, but it seems like they're just going to run back and another batch of players from Nisa that were like the greatest hits of Detroit circa 2019. I don't really understand the logic there, but go off Trevor James. So that's sort of the lay of the land in terms of who's in Pittsburgh's neighborhood. Oh, I guess I should reference Miami. I feel like we always forget about Miami. No one really cares that they exist, <laughs> but they're going to be okay again, I guess. So I, grab that audio clip when we play Miami in the season. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, great. Nobody cares about Miami. Um, so that, that leaves me with two questions, John. So first of all, I think the two teams that I'm most interested in your opinion as to whether or not you think they'll finish above the Hounds are Detroit and Birmingham, just because it feels like yeah. the past few seasons, we've really liked to rub Birmingham's nose in it when we get to the playoffs. And are they going to be rubbing our nose in it this year? So what are your thoughts on just those three teams and how they finish? So in order... I've got Birmingham ahead of Pittsburgh right now. I think an injury in the midfield or their defense could really wreak some havoc, but they have oodles of attacking talent and they're imbalanced in that way, but I think they have enough there to figure it out and come with a strong finish. Pittsburgh would come next for me. I think they're just a better team in terms of those top end guys versus Detroit. Let's be real when we're thinking about what the river hounds have right now which is still canardo forbes and robbie mertz and dickwa and ordonez and joey Fair. like there's really a good spine for this team if they can just fill out the depth a little bit versus detroit who made the playoffs as the very last team in if you look at the expected goals numbers they overperformed by a lot they're going to be missing devon on mensa to start the season who still hasn't recovered from his injury and they've lost three of their best five players, probably. That's not a convincing offseason. I have them out of the playoffs, and I think that they're rather unlikely to get there, and they can prove me wrong on that, but I would take the Hounds if I'm picking one of the two. If they prove you wrong, don't worry. They'll let you know. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> they're very good at that, yeah. 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 Uh, and as long as we have Kiza, I'm just saying, for Birmingham, I mean, we have Kiza. Uh, <laughs> the Birmingham dream killer himself. So I think we'll be fine. <laughs> you just beat him on penalties in the first round yeah, of the playoffs. That's right. yeah. <laughs> um, my other question, cause you know, you sort of uh, ranked your top four, five, six in the East. Yeah. Is it your sense that 
um, the level, uh, the overall level of those teams is pretty much similar to what it was last year? Or do you get the sense that all of them have improved year over year? And so um, it's not just that we need to sort of get to their level from last year. We need to go above and beyond that to even have a fighting chance. Yeah, definitely the latter. I feel like every single team in the conference, barring Pittsburgh and Detroit, has demonstrably improved this offseason. I know I mentioned the reasons with like Tulsa and Indy. Uh, Miami even basically lost no one, added a couple guys with MLS experience or all league caliber League One players. Uh, Hartford added Antoine Hopeno and Elvis Samo when what they lacked last season was really consistent creation and attack. They've plugged the holes that they needed to plug. Loudon is weird because Loudon and partnership and all of that, but they've added at least some interesting players that could feasibly get them closer to competitive than they were. And when you're losing the free points that were New York and Atlanta, suddenly every game takes on a little bit more significance where if the bottom end of the East is really that tightly packed, you have to be getting at least a draw in a lot of these games or you're just losing ground. And that's the fact of the matter. And so I think you've hit, that's why the crux, that's the crux of why I think this has been a bit of a worrying off season. If, um, you know, what, what would have to change for you to, you know, say that the hounds came out and announced a slew of player signings this week, what would cause you to sit up and go, Oh, like, you know, maybe I should bounce the hounds further up the table in terms of how I think they're going to finish. Like, is there a specific position or a type of player? Kev, go ahead. I was going to say to give you some time, John, to think about that. Like, I don't know, like this is why I, I don't have a strong formulated opinion on signings this off season because we bucked the trend last year and brought in Dane Kelly, something that I would say is unusual for Lily and the hounds. We're like, great. This is going to like, we're, we're doing something different. This is going to change things. And, you know, we, we all know how it turned out. So I'm, I'm left a little bit of like, I don't know where he's going to find impact from given how specific Lily needs his players to play in his system or something. So yeah, I just, I I know it's not a great answer for like a podcast thing, but me personally, I just, I, it's one of those things like until the season kicks off, eh, I have no idea. Like we could bring in someone who's like, you know, putting up goals everywhere and just doesn't, doesn't work out. But yeah, I, I don't, so I don't know. I don't really know what to think. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sold on the striker spot right now between Dequa and Kiza. I think, Dickwa certainly proved that he can be a double-digit scorer in this league, and Keza came on strong at the end. You don't need more than two decent forwards, really, unless you have some terrible injury luck. And likewise, I'm pretty sold on the more attacking half of the midfield with the Mertz, the Forbes of it all. It's the spine of this team defensively where I'm a little bit worried of, I think Mark Ibarra is good is he a starting level number six or number eight? That's certainly a question mark. So getting someone in that spot would do a ton for the balance. And I think that's why the Danny Griffin loss hurts more mm, than anything. Yeah, it does nah, hurt. No, nah, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I do think if you're just using two center backs, there is hardly a better pair than Joey Farrell and uh, Artero Adonias. 
and you need an, another body there if you want to use the back three or just to have the surety of depth. But it's the wide areas, I think, are the most pressing concern where Rivera, Dos Santos, Biasi, they're fine, but none, no one is really inspiring me in those spots. No one is really going to force a team. If you're Pittsburgh attacking, uh, the opposing defense can really just center in, crush up towards the middle of the pitch and try to clog everything for Mertz and Forbes and deny their lanes. So getting some tertiary creation out there, not only just strengthens the team, but gives you a bit more flexibility if Lily wants to tinker. So add a center back, add a number six, get a winger or two. And even if these are just replacement level USL guys, I think I'm going to be seeing the vision in a lot more of a thorough way with what Pittsburgh's doing. It's fair. This yeah, is, this I mean, is a little bit of like a throwback question to like everyone, but even though like Dixon put up good numbers last year, I'm I'm somewhat I don't know. I'm of the opinion that Lily almost doesn't know how to use a player like Dixon. Like Dixon, he would play at like wing back and then he would play forward. And mm -hmm. I always thought that he was like the best player on the field. And I almost expected him to get more numbers than he did, even though the numbers he put up were good. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like the, I think the, yeah, that's an interesting point. And I agree, but I, I just made me, I was like, yeah, Dixon and put up good numbers. And, and, but I was like, I almost felt like he was, he just kept shuffling Dixon around didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. There were, I, I was a staunch defender of his, I think the first season he was here, I think there, there were flashes during the game where you could tell that, skill wise and even um at times just sort of game reaction wise he seemed to be head and shoulders above everyone else um you have him you have ciceroni where there were there were rumors that ciceroni felt like he wasn't being used properly um and that's part of the reason why he started to look elsewhere so i I think that's one of the reasons why I was higher on this team last season was we had some of that senior depth to fill in the gaps. And we knew that those guys were versatile enough that they could play in a couple of different positions. And we just don't, we don't have that experience this year. That experience might come from, you know, some MLS guys that sort of fall out, but we also haven't had a ton of luck with MLS guys that fall out. Like, you know, the past few years, we picked up a few guys here and there and they either get injured or they just don't work out. So. I will say too, to second, like, to, to kind of add another dimension to the conversation around like signings, um, almost forgetting about position for a second. I know this is like, Canaro Forbes has been amazing, incredible career. Um, and I still think he has a lot to add to this team. And I know he's the captain, but he's a certain kind of leader that I think we could use a different kind of leader in the team as well. Like, I don't know, like Kenny's one of those silent leaders who like, let me show you what I can do that you can't kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Whereas I think sometimes we need a leader who's like, when the chips are down, we'll galvanize the troops. And, you know, I don't, I, I think we've been lacking that in the past couple, like C Cicerone maybe, but like he would just get like frustrated and angry and just like push harder rather than like galvanize. So I, I, I would love to see. That could be someone. new Joe. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think he's someone with tenure at the highest levels of this league with what he did in Phoenix. He's a veteran. 
he's certainly a little bit more fiery and vocal. Um, so I think that he's going to be someone who's going to be felt on the pitch in terms of his play, but in what he does communicating and organizing this team in a really vocal sort of way. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, you know, I, anytime like it comes on the depths, which <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. No, anytime you talk about like, who's going to be the vocal leader, I'm like, that's Bob. Like who, <laughs> anybody, anybody that's going to yell on the field is just going to be competing with Bob. So I think that's why Kenny's just kind of like, I got it. Don't yell at me. I know what you want. I'm just gonna go do it. And <laughs> I think Kenny comes in the back, like like after Bob's yelling, and then like Kenny comes up afterwards and like talks to the player and be like, This is what he's trying to say without being so <laughs> raised. Like, really, you're doing great, kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Just stand over there and run when I say run, and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have an Bye, important man. question, uh, because uh I saw your thread about Rihanna songs for USL yes. teams, and you did not mention the Riverhounds in there at all. And I have a suggestion: it would be Umbrella, because Pittsburgh actually gets the most rain slash snow days than any other USL uh, club. Really? Uh, city? Yeah. I just huh. looked it up. Uh, I was listening the whole time. I swear, but I was also <laughs> looking up statistics for rain because I thought we had the most. And like, I think Cleveland gets more than us. Seattle gets more than us. But that's about it as far as like cities. Wow. Go clubs so yeah umbrella I'm just saying it works hey i'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite rihanna songs anyway so that works out really well good call josh um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean okay so let's let's talk a little bit just not about the hounds john because we we tend to spend a lot of time just talking about the hounds what are you what teams are you most excited about in the east what matchups are you most excited to see in the east um just general thoughts yeah, matchup-wise, uh, I don't know dates or anything, but whenever Charleston and Memphis square off, the Ben Beerman Bowl is going to be a fun one early on. Uh, I think Hartford against Detroit, just to see Hopeno take it to his old club, is going to be something interesting. This could be a fun year for the uh, Louisville-Indianapolis Proximity Association football contest, given that, <laughs> <laughs> given that the 11 are going to be decent again and the whole Dylan Mayors of it all. So I think there's some good like rivalries of we signed one of your legendary players or your hot young coach this season that's going to really add some intrigue in the East. Guys, is there, a, you know, from a Hounds perspective, I can't remember if we talked about this or not, what one team are you most looking forward to seeing come to Highmark from the East? I won't make you look through the, the West schedule at all. Josh, who do you love seeing here? I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's I'm, I'm same answers as always, but like, I, I like the Louisville Pittsburgh thing. I, I want us to be more than the little brother in that competition. I want us to feel like, you know, we, we bring it just as much. Um, but also I, I, this whole thing with Detroit and the fact that neither team has won against each other yet in regular season, I, I'm still excited for that game because I like, until there's actually been a winner in one of these matches, it's like kind of like tensions building. So I feel like Kev, I'll, I'll come to you in a second. I feel almost like for a while we fashioned ourselves to be a competitor to Louisville at the top. And now I feel like it's we've shaken off that like we're now like Detroit, uh, Birmingham, like that's that's like our zone. And Louisville is the past two years. Tampa and yeah, you know, Three, four years ago, yeah, we, we, you know, four years ago, we finished above Louisville. And, you know, so like, 
it's not ridiculous to say that, but it, it is a little bit now. <laughs> but now it's aspirational. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you're yeah. right. But it doesn't feel like every time we play them, like, oh no, what's going to happen? It's more like I hope we beat them because it'd be so cool and like kind of like building up that tension and that not tension. It's just a rivalry. It's like there could be one there. Liz just said, I don't get an opinion with my attitude this year. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Speaking truth. Yeah, we'll have you on the uh, on the show and you can share your opinion. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Any, anything else? Any other questions here, guys, for, for John while we have him? I mean, I got my Rihanna question in. Or, <laughs> that was really, that's all I really had. Uh. All I can figure otherwise is a rude boy with Bob Lilly yelling at players after. <laughs> that's good. That's actually good. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good one. Well, John, um, as always, uh, you know, we love having you on. Before we get out of here and sort of do our wrap up, um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your stuff and and uh, and follow you on the socials? Yeah, I'm, I'm too wordy with the plugs at this point, but uh, USL Tactics on Twitter, uh, the USL Show podcast, obviously, every week on Tuesdays, and then um, Backheeled, which the big thing is we're moving to a subscription model. So Ooh. if you read my, uh, it's like five bucks a month. If you read my weekly power rankings, those end up running like five to 6,000 words every single week. Mm -hmm. So if you need like 20,000 words of writing about the USL for five bucks a month, it's a good deal. And we've got podcasts, we've got coverage of the national teams, everything, US soccer. So I think it's worth your money. I'll still be doing the Twitter thing if not. So <laughs> just check out whatever I'm doing. For sure. Absolutely go check it out. We asked you last time you were on and I don't think it's changed. Do you sleep? Because like you just constantly yeah. provide a crazy amount of content. Um, blows my mind. I guess yeah, I guess in the past year I've also like started working a real human adult job and yeah. continuing <laughs> to do the soccer thing. So yeah, the sleep is still minimal, but I'm living. <laughs> well, we appreciate all the work you put into it. Um, guys, just a few closing things. Uh, we're less than a month away from the season starting on March 11th, which really means only three more episodes for us after this. I keep saying like, we've got time. We don't have time. Like the season's here. Uh, and so which makes me all the more nervous. Um, but I will add the caveat. I feel like I'm adding this every show. I don't want people to think that, you know, my uh, my demeanor about the team is a personal attack on Bob Lilly. I think Bob is great. Um, I love talking to Bob. I'm more talking as a fan and my perspective on the club overall and wanting the club to succeed and do well. So I'm not here saying Lilly out. Nobody wants to see anybody lose their job. Everyone just wants to see the team and the club succeed. So that's sort of my disclaimer. I think I think we need a bit more edge on this podcast. Anyway, we've been we've been too fluffy and <laughs> and supportive and nice all this while. So yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going to bring the edge. I'm still going to bring the edge. I'm just going to add the caveat that like I don't want to see anybody lose their job. Like I just you know can we make this work somehow, please? And again, prove me wrong, please. I want you to prove me wrong. I want to come on the show and say I was wrong because the hounds are the top team in the East and you know, they're crushing in the playoffs. That's nothing would make me happier than to say I was wrong. So, yeah. Do you um, use this tactic a lot in the rest of your life where you're just no. like, you know, like Susan, like I, you're not going to do the dishes and just like walk out of the room. <laughs> like, prove me wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> no, I do not. I do not do that anywhere else. Um, yeah. 
one last thing. Uh, last week we talked about how we're going to introduce a new game. Uh, basically, before each game, we will host a pick'em. Uh, we will finalize the details of how and where people can submit their picks. But if you participate all season, whoever gets the most points, so you get three points if you pick the score exactly. You get one point if you at least pick the winner or draw. Uh, and zero points otherwise whoever has the most points at the end of the season what we had asked was um if we only made it available to supporters of the show uh and it's a ten dollar uh basically you know donation to the show uh would people be interested in doing that uh if it meant that we gave away two season tickets to the steel army section in 2024 and the results online were a resounding yes so we're going to do that. We're still working out the details of how people can submit their picks. We're going to try to make it something very simple. But um, as of Tuesday morning, which depending upon when you listen to this might be now, uh, if you go over to YouTube, uh, we're backslash at Mongols on YouTube, uh, go to the community section. There's, there'll be a post there that has a link. Click the link. You can donate your $10 and you are in. If you are part of our Twitter circle already, you are also in. You don't have to go and donate another $10. We did that late last season and we said that would carry over to this season. But the idea will be that prior to every game, um, and we'll talk about it on the show and we'll have updates as to like who's winning and all of that. But uh, whoever makes it to the end of the season in that top spot will walk away with two season tickets to the steel army section for 2024, which is a pretty sweet deal for, uh, for $10. Plus you get to play all season. And we're talking about uh, a few other uh, little freebie fun things that we're going to do just for supporters as well over the course of the year. So go check that out. Go to, oh, we'll post it on Twitter as well. Cause we know there's still people on Twitter. Um, even though it was ironic that we talked about like, should we move? And then like Twitter was like, no one can tweet. So, um, <laughs> Go to YouTube. That's where a lot of the, the core stuff will be. We'll also share it on, on Twitter and go from there. So, but stay tuned for more details. Um, otherwise, anything else, guys, you guys want to talk about? We're good. Awesome. John, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening and hanging out. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Peace.